Good evening, and welcome to Three Moves Ahead. I'm your host, Bruce Garrick, and today I'm here to talk about modern love, not modern love, what, what is it? Oh, modern war, sorry. Yeah, I knew it was one of those two things. Um, with game designer Mitch Land. Mitch, how are you? I'm fine, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm... I guess you are responsible for two of the games that uh, I'm most looking forward to uh, in the GMT lineup, those being um, Silver Bayonet and uh, Next War Poland. But we'll talk about Silver Bayonet in a while. Um, But I really want to talk about Modern War. And, um, you know, you have a series of games that uh, encompasses everything from Taiwan to Korea and um, India versus Pakistan Mm -hmm. to... um, to Poland and Russia, and then and NATO in Europe, um, you you started designing these as as sort of an update of uh, the the previous thing we had talked about this maybe mm-hmm. uh, on the Silver Bayonet podcast. But as I understand, you were really jonesing for an update of uh, the Korea game uh, from 1995, and uh, uh, Gene said, "You know, I, I don't have time for this right now. So if you want it, you better do it yourself." And uh, you did. <laughs> So, um, what what was it about that game that you that made you think, "Gosh, I, somebody better redesign this, or I'm going to have to do it myself." <laughs> yeah. So, so the game itself, I, I really like. I like the system, obviously, because um, mm-hmm. that's I, you know I wanted to do it, and like you said, I was jonesing for an update for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's just a, a really good system. It's it's relatively clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has lots of good little tools to to Mm -hmm. depict modern warfare and things like that so you know i really liked it and i've always i've always been drawn to to games you know modern near modern or Mm -hmm. or even now what's past you know world war three type stuff so well tell me about that tell me about were you i mean i don't know if you were playing games at that time but like in the you know mid to late 80s or whatever were you looking at those games like uh, you know gdw's assault and that you know uh there were so many NATO games and whatever, and uh, I know there was China Wars. That was one of my favorites uh, from way back when. Did, did you like those games back then, or were you even playing then? Yeah, you know, I had, like, uh, so I started out on my modern thing, like Central America and NATO, mm-hmm. the next war in mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. The whole fleet series, I love those games. Yeah, all the victory games, yeah. Yep, you bet. And then, you know, some other, you know, got kind of got a little bit hooked into the early versions of harpoon and okay. keep wanting to go back but it's it's yeah. a, that's not a simple system so now did you play it on the computer by the way i did i did yeah i was addicted to that thing on, yep. the, on the mm-hmm. computer. i could never win but that's okay. no i couldn't either that's interesting yeah mm-hmm. that game was that game was tough but yeah so you so you just liked it is it is it the is it the sort of speculative history that you like or just you like the the, the weapon systems or what uh, a little bit of both. I like I like the fact that you know there's cool toys, cool machines. I guess we really shouldn't call them toys, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. hardware is 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 pretty cool stuff. Um, right. and just interesting, and then timely and unresolved topics. You know, yeah, you know the big what if kind of things mm-hmm. really really kind of grab me and and uh, make me make me think and and wonder how things would have turned out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I mean, Korea is obviously a big what if. Um, it's still sitting there. Um, you were talking about cool tools that that game had uh, that that were sort of modern tools. What can, give me just name one or two that, that so listeners can understand? Yeah, so like in Crisis Korea, you know, you had these at the time they were points, but they were special operations points, and you could do things with them like mm-hmm. aids and recon, and mm-hmm. and that's that's real world stuff, right? That's what they right. do, those kinds of right. things. And then you know, have cruise missiles and air defense systems and those kinds of things. That mm-hmm. a lot of 
obviously pre-modern games they just don't have because they didn't exist. Right. So right. those are the kinds of things that I think really intrigued me. And, mm-hmm. you know, building a game around how do I how do I structure my plan to penetrate your airspace, knock down your air defenses so that mm-hmm. then I can go on and do strikes, whether I want to strike your units or strike your supply or, or what, you know, whatever my plan, my grand strategic plan is, how do I right. make that happen with the, mm-hmm. with the tools at my disposal? Okay. Now that, that's obviously a huge difference from, um, from a world war two game, right? Where you're, you're, you're you, <clears throat> you don't have to have these giant, uh, it's, it's just not how, how air support worked back then. Cause there weren't the, the, uh, sort of the deadly air air defense uh uh you know options that you know i think maybe 73 arab israeli war had that you know when the, the israelis were really surprised that oh my gosh these uh, these guys have shoulder launched missiles and uh, you know they're they're taking our planes down we didn't really expect this so um um how that's a, that's an interesting thing though right because you don't have a way of you, you have sort of your own rating of how how these weapon systems are going to perform but i think that you know you can have situations where i mean i don't know that anybody thought that in you know the first chechen war the chechens were just going to clean the russians clock hmm. um and they did right and uh, how do you how do you how do you sort of deal with the, the possibility that you're you know i mean you don't have anything mm-hmm. to test against right because if you play right. a bulge game and the germans just take antwerp without really in much trouble, you think, okay, this something's wrong here. But uh, <laughs> right. how do you, how do you fix that in a modern war game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, we'll we'll circle back around to to the Chechen thing, I think. But uh-huh. so like performance data is one of the big problems in modeling, right? Because you know, in, in like you said, in, in world and in, in things like World War II, that we have performance data, right? They have huge studies on it. And we know the per- ballistic performance of all the weapons, and there are games built around that performance data, right? Sure. We don't have that stuff. A lot of it's uh, there's some publicly accessible stuff, but you mm-hmm. can only go so far with it's armed with 120 millimeter gun. Well, right. okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know the characteristics of the ammunition. You don't know the, the charge weights. You don't know the weight of the projectile. You don't know what's in the projectile, you know, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things. And so a, a lot of that is, is you, you just have to use what you have, right. Based on the, on the technical specifications that are publicly available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of those should actually be, subject to suspicion right because you're not going to give away your secrets that nobody's going to do that so they 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 will deliberately try to give you the the least i'm sure it's somewhat and mostly factual but it's going to be more or less useless Mm -hmm. and so what you end up with is anecdotal or propaganda data right so you end Mm -hmm. up with these well we did this exercise and in the exercise you know i hear this all the time aircraft x beat aircraft y and that's a big deal because aircraft y is the latest sixth generation fighter and that's fine, but what they mm-hmm. don't tell you is, well, yeah, what they did is they dumbed down aircraft Y and put mm-hmm. so many, you know, restrictions and and bindings on it that it, it performed like a fourth generation fighter. So you mm-hmm. know, at that point, it was up for grab. Right, right. So so you sort of have to tease that out, and is it? Do you just? I mean, there's there's some element to that where you have to sort of have a good game, right? Because if right. if you put the game and you say, gosh, this is you know, this is the best, this is my best guess on this. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, gosh, you know, one side or the other is completely hosed. I guess that would be useful to, you know, if, if your job were working in the Pentagon, that would be very helpful. But if you're not working in the Pentagon, you need to you have a problem because now right. one of the two sides is going to be uh, disadvantaged in a game and people aren't going to like it. So, so what do you do then? Do you try to 
to try to um, yeah. What, Jeff, what do you do? I'm not going to give yeah. you suggestions. What you tell me? So, for the most part, I try not to do that. The only hmm. exception was in Korea. We mm-hmm. we, you know, if you ask me right now, what what war in Korea look like? It, mm-hmm. I think you know, it, it's really hard to say. There uh-huh. they have a lot of troops, right? But they yep. have very little training. They don't mm-hmm. spend any time in the air. For instance, their their air force, they tend to use their soldiers for farmers, right? So they're not out doing maneuvers. They don't have large formation training. They can't, they don't have the fuel to do armored training. So, it, you know, if, if you ask me, it would be, it would be grinding and it would be attritional, but probably would not be as, as overwhelming and deadly as say the game shows it. And so what, what the, one of the major assumptions we made and had to make in the game was that mm-hmm. they fixed some of that stuff, right? They, right. they made changes, eased some of the sanctions and were able to import things and actually beef up their military. But then, you yeah. know, I, I put out an article later that said, you know, here's a, here's a more realistic view of what the, mm-hmm. the DPRK's right. performance and capabilities actually look like. Yeah. But, but in a general sense, so in Taiwan, we didn't do that. Those capabilities are 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 as good as as we could guess at, right? Okay. Um, and then the same thing with India, Pakistan. I see. So yeah, because I remember there was a game. Um, uh, can't remember which one it was. I think it was might even have been NATO: The Next War, where they said, um, I think it was in the designers' notes. They basically said, uh, "How come there are no rules for?" Um, for Warsaw Pact ally defection or, or reliability. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you know, we are assuming that the Warsaw Pact would never invade if they weren't absolutely sure of the reliability of their allies. Oh, so sure. right. this is our, you know, this is our situation where, you know, which is, I mean, it sounds reasonable on its face, right? <laughs> but then it, maybe that's never going to be possible, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to have a, a situation where the Warsaw Pact invades specifically because it's uh, it's not sure about its allies and has to, you know, sort of distract them or something. So I I, right. I, um, I understand the, the the idea of sort of switching or, or, or sort of fudging the geopolitical situation because, um, you, like you said, it's, ultimately it's a game. Um but it, but there is a certain amount of, you know, gosh, I really wonder what would happen if India invaded Pakistan or mm-hmm. if, uh, you know, if the Chinese decided to take over Taiwan. Um, right. I mean, that's 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 part of your interest in it, right? Right, exactly. And, and so a lot of that is you do, you know, and I have I have the next where reading folders out there under the support files that mm-hmm. there's tons of stuff out there that talk of that are all studies on that you know rand right. has done studies on it and a couple other things have done places have done that think tanks have done studies on it and i, I kind of i read all those and i just kind of gelled them all into the into the game and made sure that the general outcomes kind of followed the outline of what the quote-unquote experts thought right that it, it kept trying to capture the things like you have to maintain control of the straits supply is going to be critical air superiority is going to be critical anti or uh, area anti-axis area denial is going to be critical, you know, those kinds of things. And so you build those into the game so that, so that you're capturing the real world problems with, with rules that make sense. Yeah. Were there any, ever, any times where you guys, you know, put all the data together and made the rules and something happened? You're like, Whoa, I never thought that was, that does, does make any sense, but that's what our data is showing us. (laughs) Uh, Not really. I mean, I haven't, I, I, have to think about that. I don't think we really came across that. I mean, we came across some situations, mm-hmm. game situations that the rules didn't cover, mm. you know, as players yeah, course, yeah. tried to break the system. And so we'd have to mm-hmm. kind of step yeah. back and think play about it. Playtesters are like that. You should just, they get, are. you got to whip them into line because that's exactly. just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Playtesters are gold. 
<laughs> no playtest. Playtest. It's it's funny because you know I I played you know I I haven't been involved in that many playtests, but I've been involved in a few, and um, you know I'll play the game with some people, and then we'll you know I'll report my thing back, and then somebody else will report a game, and it'll just be crazy. I'm like, what are you doing? And then I look at it and think, oh yeah, I guess that is legal. I guess the rules do let you do that. And then you know there's so people who really know how to break rules and figure out if that's really what the designers intend or just. Yeah, I agree. They're they're golden. Yeah. You got to hold on to those guys. Absolutely. Um, so, so you have now. You had the Korea game was obviously you deciding you know that <laughs> you're gonna that you're gonna update a game that you really want to play. I mean that's and that's kind of our hobby, right? I mean if you mm-hmm. don't see a game on a topic, you're like, well, okay, I guess I'm designing a game. Um, and then what happened? You th- did did Gene say, gosh, this is this is something we need to keep going, or did you say, gosh, I had so much fun, I can't stop or, or yeah, more, more the latter really it was more you know korea it sold people bought it obviously you've made it so mm-hmm. that you know there was an appetite for these kinds of games mm-hmm. it's not a huge one but it's there um yeah. and so the you know when we were talking about what was what was next the natural extension f- from my point of view was to include taiwan mm-hmm. because it, it's already kind of in, in my mind in my assumptions is already inextricably tied with a, a war in the peninsula anyway because mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, although recent news, you know, I think North Korea is more going its own way from, from China, from the PRC. Um, but, you know, in my mind, it was really more, they're not going to start a war unless they know the PRC has their back right. kind of a deal. And so if that happens, my assumption is that that's going to include Taiwan in some shape or form. So Okay. Interesting. So, um, and you, I'm, I'm assuming that. Uh, I haven't looked at the. I have. I have Korea. Um, I don't. I have India, Pakistan. I don't have Taiwan. What's the? Uh, what's your assumption is in terms of for uh, Taiwan? What the? Uh, what the U.S. basing situation is? I mean, are they? Are they back in the Philippines or, or where are they? Where are they flying from? The the option exists for them to be back in the Philippines. Otherwise, they're flying from Guam and Japan. Mm. Which okay. You know, limits you somewhat because yeah, it's all sure way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's that's um that's I guess that's that's another interesting thing you can do, right? Is you can have mm-hmm. a you can sort of have a geopolitical mini game beforehand. Yeah. And uh, you know, sort of change the parameters and, and right. I, I was always like that kind of stuff. Is 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 that something that or how much of that do you think is outside the scope so, of what you're trying to do? Yeah, we we I <sighs> So I captured it in the international posture matrix, which is mm-hmm. which is purely random, um, mm-hmm. and that's basically just let's set up the the international picture, and and kind of do that political work without having a whole game or a set of right. pre-game turns around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a conscious choice. Okay. Um, and one of those things is. <sighs> You know, if we want to talk about uh, – I just read an interesting book called The Utility of Force uh, mm-hmm. by General Rupert Smith, and he talks okay. about the difference between industrial war, which is what we used to do, and, and he calls it war amongst the people, which is what we do now, right? So Vietnam, mm-hmm. Iraq, okay. um, Afghanistan, Chechnya, those kinds of things. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's a different kind of war that industrial wars like we've seen in the past just aren't mm-hmm. – they're not – feasible mostly from a political and an economic standpoint right you can't you can't expect these big world powers to go, to go to war and continue a big five-year war like we used to because you know frankly it would just well they have the weapons to end it early right, right? exactly and that's that's as that's the that's the point how do you keep a conventional war conventional when right. one side always has the you know 
in next war Poland, I'm calling it the lighter fluid rule. <laughs> uh, oh, really? What's that? What yeah, happens? So you can use tactical nukes, but every time uh -huh. you use one, you roll a die. And if, if you, if your roll is less than or equal to the number of nuke markers, game ends. And hmm. so the line in there is technically the player placing that last marker loses. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So in reality, everybody loses. But. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the tactical. Okay, well, that's going to be very interesting. I am. What do you? What do you? Um, what What are you deciding is going to be the, the 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 geopolitical situation when when that game starts? Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I think I'm going to ditch the international posture matrix because it's okay. much more streamlined. Mm -hmm. Um. So the 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 position that I'm taking, regardless of the of this book, is that for whatever reason. Russia decides that, you know, industrial war is the way to go or conventional war is the way to go, and they invade okay. the Baltics to take them back. Mm. Or, okay. or maybe there's, you know, there we'll have a little write-up. Maybe there's heightened tensions. There's an incident, and in order to, you know, save face or do whatever, mm -hmm. they decide that, that that's just the, what they need to do or, or, or what have you. And so, okay. you know, then the question becomes – you know, the, one of the major assumptions, and it's based on a, a paper, I can't, I can't recall the colonel or general who wrote it, but it, on the Suwalki Gap in mm -hmm. Poland, which is that mm -hmm. narrow strip of land between Kaliningrad and Belarus. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's very critical to control. You, you need to block that land access if you're going to do something in the Baltics, right? Because you, right. you want time to get it. That If you control that, then the only way to get there is via airborne or naval mm -hmm. movement. And, sure. You know, the Baltic Sea is not that big, so right. it's a little easier to control. Right. Um, in general so uh, so the, go ahead so so that's but that's what you're saying so they they basically start from a conventional jumping off point there's no right. uh you know cyber war there's no border incident where they try to sneak you know a whole bunch of little green men into Tallinn or anything like that no uh, you know well so we just really started diving into it i have a i have some maps and i have the order of battle i think and i'm starting to flesh out the game specific rules right now i'm thinking you know it's mostly the conventional stuff right now so I, I, that may change because i think i think it's important to capture some of that that's mm -hmm. that's sort of the modus operandi for the russians now right um right. but the problem would be how do you capture that in the game and then, so now we're back into that well, now you have to have pre-game game turns that kind of model getting to the point where you start shooting so right you know do you do you actually game that or you just skip that and go to the point where you start shooting, right you know? well yeah it's, i mean it's hard because you know that you know i mean if you're going to play a game you know there's going to be a war right? right whereas in when you're when you're not i mean in real life the whole hope is that there's not going to be a war, right? And you, the question is, how far can you push somebody before they decide, okay, they're going to back off or this is going to start a war? But in the game, right. you're like, well, we have to have a war. We've got 12 turns of stuff we've, we've <laughs> right. planned. We have a whole afternoon. What are we going to yeah. do next, right? Yeah. So, and so, you know, funny, Gene and I, because Gene and I have both talked about that, is that especially around Taiwan, is mm -hmm. it would have been great to have had that buildup of, you know, does the U.S. seek a hub and spoke ally model or does it seek a group consensus ally model? All right. So, mm -hmm. in other words, does does the United States ally with the Philippines and then separately with Vietnam and separately with, you know, Japan? Well, we're mm -hmm. Japan, but you know what I mean. So they're separate right. def defense agreements, or do we create? Do we more or less resurrect 
Southeast Asia Treaty Organization right. as a as an umbrella organization and kind of have the same deal that we had in Western Europe, only transplanted to the South China Sea. Right. You just got to get everybody to agree that they're going to defend. That's exactly. that's the group consensus, right? Yeah. And so we were talking about you know how do you and we were talking about it in in the um, context of this next war Taiwan game is do we want to uh-huh. build that kind of mechanism? And we we basically hit rehash the same thing that we just talked about. But the but what we came down to is that would be a great standalone game, probably yes. driven, you know, with yep. cyber ops and satellite ops oh, yeah. and different things and diplomacy and economics and, and a bunch of other things wrapped around it where you're 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 using, you know, the term they, they call measures short of war mm-hmm. to maneuver diplomatically through the minefield, you know, and at the end of the day that might end up going into full blown combat but the goal would be to resolve the difference some other way you know hmm. and, and now how that would play out i don't i don't know is it political will or, or something like that but right but that 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 concept i think is in itself probably a very fascinating game just not yeah. the one that i designed <laughs> right is, is somebody thinking about designing that yeah <laughs> oh good, good. <laughs> oh, so so i assume that's that's on somebody's drawing board it, yeah it, well it, you know it's on our back burner i'm sure somebody will will think of it as well and, and do something along those lines but well you could do that i mean i guess in in in, uh, in the pacific that's the most that's the most uh interesting situation because you have you have all these different you know sort of countries it's in nato there's sort of it's a little more subtle right i mean you have you have a bunch of off of off-board countries that aren't necessarily going to be directly involved except for sending troops um mm-hmm. i don't know how you would uh I would, you know, simulate uh, Merkel talking to Putin, but uh, that I may, maybe that's a, hey, you know, we have all these games that are like, uh, you know, the um, origins of World War Two and and yep. uh, those other those other kind of diplomatic games that end when the war starts. So I that's okay. So tell Gene that he's got he's got to get somebody assigned. Mm-hmm. That. I, I love that idea, the idea that you're having, yeah. you know, yeah, special it was ops. Very intriguing, yeah. but yeah, yeah, at the time it was like, mm. yeah. but well, that's a lot of so, research you know, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Gene's working on that, Mister president Salter yes. game, but so a lot of the i think a lot of the ideas he's putting into that mm-hmm. are the kinds of things that might go into that hmm. a, a different kind of game right along those lines not yeah. necessarily a solitaire so you might have both sides playing or something like that but mm-hmm. well okay well then I, then then i'm, I'm going to be looking for that because that that would be really that'd be a great way to put these things together i mean i always i always mm-hmm. i always want new starting positions or, or different assumptions because that's the whole thing about about future war right is that you get to have different assumptions you can't it, 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 it feels kind of weird if you start world war ii uh and um you know i don't know poland invaded germany first it just i mean it, it's it's right. it just doesn't feel right right because you know what the history is but with with these other things you can make you can make plausible arguments uh about what happens so so it, let's I, you know i've played um I've played uh, India-Pakistan several times. I really like that game. I have some questions about, you know, the way you went ahead and designed it. It feels, it has an interesting feel. Like the the the, the <laughs> game, I do agree with you. It's very clean in the sense that there aren't a ton of units on the map. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about, you know, like stacks of five attacking stacks, stacks of four, which is one of my pet peeves in games. I just don't want to have to keep picking up counters and, and remembering, okay, that was four and three and four and six and wait, wait, it was four. No, it's four and three and three and six. And that just, that, that makes, drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got a lot of other stuff that, that, that comes in that you really have to think about. For example, um, your terrain effects, 
um, the way that you have odds, but then you shift columns depending on where what terrain you're in. It's that's actually you know you count you count this and you count that and um, um, you know it it gets to the point where you ha- you. Uh, we're putting a counter on the column and then saying, okay, you get two shifts for this and then one shift for the quality mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, you know, back and forth and sort of, and then you end up somewhere. How did, how did you decide to put that all together like that? Cause there are multiple different ways of, of, of doing that. Yeah. Well, that, so that is why we put those counters in there. Cause you know, there's the little combat odds and the combat mm-hmm. because I, I ran into the same problem when we were working on it. I was like, I couldn't keep track back of what column mm-hmm. I was on. I'm like, all right, we got to have something in here. Make the column on the chart wide enough that you can put it on there and the counter right. on there and just move it back and forth. Yeah, we and didn't it, notice those counters until like the third game and then a friend of ours was yeah. watching. He's like, um, you know there are counters for that? I'm like, oh, <laughs> really? I didn't see that. Yeah, and, the, and that's my fault. I didn't put any instructions in there. I just kind of, you know, assumed. Yeah. But, yeah, was, I mean, we we, we we had we thought about it anyway. We pulled took, a, you know, an, uh, an unused counter and we're using it there. So right. I guess we, we had the same idea. But um, so yep. what uh, I mean, how did you how did you think that? I mean, it's all it's all very integrated, right? I mean, you don't mm-hmm. have um, I mean, <clears throat> you have to at some point make a decision that, you know, rough and woods and something are, are in this in this sort of hierarchy. How do you how do you go about putting a, 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 a chart together like that? What's your what's your sort of model that you then test? What's your hypothesis? Right. So, so a lot of that I can't really take credit for it because it was in the original game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also in other games. Central America, I think, does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, OCS does the same thing. You know, it has its uh, operational combat series. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Has, the it, game. has it in there close, very close. You mm-hmm. know, and that depends on the terrain type. So it's not it's not unusual, I guess, in in that sense. I, but I think, but I like it. I, you know, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that because now odds don't necessarily so odds are still important mm-hmm. but you have to understand that defensive terrain is also important as, right. as well right so if you're going to defend in the flat terrain you better have a lot of guys there because right. it's flat you know mm-hmm. um as as you know desert warfare has shown you don't you don't want to be the under technological or you know inferior technological guy mm. in a flat open area it just right. doesn't work out well for yeah. you right? yeah um, so and so I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think it works right for one, for one thing. And then just deciding on, on what goes where that's, you know, you just kind of have to look at how odds and, and, and frontage, even though frontage is a, it's a bad word today, but you still have to kind of think about it. But okay. what, what, so what kind of books are you, I mean, I know you have the constant world uh, uh, folder with all the stuff. What, what, what's, what, if I wanted a sort of a, a primer in, you know, just the um, the basics of how you go about determining this stuff. What kind of books would I be looking at? So that, so that, yeah, that list of reading in there is is a is a good primary source. Um, and there's it depends on on where you where you go and you find Rand has a lot of good stuff for that. Um, a lot of government papers. Uh, there's not so much on like the army, U.S. Army stuff. That's more they do more historical studies, but you can find a few good things out there. The Center for Center for Combat Learning, something like that. They have all the papers that the, you know, the colonels and prospective generals are, they're going to school there and they have to write essays. So that's, that's usually sometimes a good resource. Um, other than that, I, uh, we have a, we, we have a subscription to the, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, International Institute for Strategic Studies. It's a global think tank. I think it's out of the UK. Uh, they have, 
they have lots of good articles um, that are very that, that's what they do right they monitor current trends current things in the world and, and everything from from uh, economics to politics to military stuff they have so order of battle stuff um, mm-hmm. that's where I usually I, we use they every year they publish something called the military balance mm-hmm. they they don't have details like unit designations usually sometimes they do but mostly it's just such and such country has two mechanized battalions which are composed of these kinds of companies and then two armored battalions which are these kinds of company you know so it's that kind of level of detail okay um, and so that's why a lot of the times you'll see and I'd had to do that on the PRC order of battle we, we knew the types of units for the most part but we didn't really know their designations so we just kind of had to use the publicly available sources which you know they're only as good as whoever put them up there um but that's i mean it's it's i mean it's it's something where nobody knows right so so it's not so bad if you just have to call things one two three four five you know six right. seven nine ten right. it's a, it's a little different if you if you have historical units that don't that you, in, in a historical game that you somehow just number generically because then that's you know you lose half the point of the reason that you're playing the game but uh, uh. so so yeah other than that it's just it's following like the um the navy has their magazines and the army has a magazine and i think the marine corps has theirs so it's just following modern journals and those kinds of things because really not there's not a whole lot of you can't write history when it hasn't happened right, just, right. So you're looking right. at papers you're looking at essays you're looking at think tank kind of stuff and that's that's really where you have to go it's 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 actually probably a little bit more digging than a than a you know a game on world war ii where you can just you can go to the a bookshelf at barnes and noble or whatever you can, hey look right. there's a bulge book let me pull mm-hmm. that out oh right look, just let me make a game on it you know yeah kind yeah. of a deal so yeah i understand well uh, what about games so <clears throat> i've always you know one of the things that i i i kind of miss about uh time passing is that you, you some of the things that were interesting at one point become less relevant so to speak right i mean i have this one of my favorite games is um is spi's the next war which of course is 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 frozen in this in this you know particular mm-hmm. historical moment or it's like like 1978 or something like that mm-hmm. so you have all this 1978 tech on this map of you know map of europe um but it's really fascinating to me and there's um you know china war was another one that i really really like because i just like the idea of you know what would happen if you know the Soviets and the Chinese fought using you know nineteen nineteen eighty tag. Um, do you ever do you ever get the the urge to design something like there was a, there was one game I think was uh, the East is Red. There was a, there was a there was one I think I can't remember if that was the redesign. There was a game about China and the the like for example Chinese invasion of Vietnam stuff that people don't really mm-hmm. know about. Um, right. Is that I mean that that feels that's that's somewhere in between future and sort of speculative. Do you ever <laughs> ever think about like conflicts like that? Um, or like re redoing them for the, for the, for the modern age or something like that. I don't know. I, I have not for most things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so is there a particular thing you have though? Falklands. Ah, really? Because yeah, well, because you know, it was, it was such a desperate struggle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on both sides, really, if right. you think about it, but much it more so than, than people sort of realize. Yes. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I just finished reading, uh, or I should say, rereading Admiral Woodward's 100 Days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously he has his take on it, um, right. but uh, it, it, I just find it a fascinating campaign. But yeah, it that, really that is, is one I would really like to redo. But 
Mm. Have you ever played no, the um, not redo, but, but create something around? Do do another game around? Have you ever have uh, ever played uh, where there was Discord the uh, that solitaire game on the campaign? I I have not, but you should uh, the impression I have is that you either love it or you hate it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I love it, so I don't know. Maybe there are people who hate it. I I really do like. It. I just I think it 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 sort of. Um, it captures a lot of the stuff that uh, that I'm I'm I find interesting. Now they they do they do sort of cop out in that if you if you land then it's sort of over, uh, right. right? If you if you have a successful landing then they just sort of say okay well then they mop up which I'm not necessarily true as as sure no. as a, is is how I would describe a an actual game. I think there's a lot more to it. So um, probably but I like more, that. Probably more likely than not, but mm-hmm. and there's, there's always that. But right, right, and there's things that the Argentines could have obviously done if they had not, sure. if they decided to commit, to, you know, higher quality troops and do other things that they didn't. You know, they kind of just, uh, it's yeah, you're right. That that whole campaign is is fascinating to read about about the right. sort of assumptions that were made and and mm-hmm. and and how I think the Argentines really sort of miscalculated. They could have, if they had actually thought they were going to fight a real actual war, um, they would have done something, some things different at the beginning, but. Um, and they right. realized what was happening, and they and it kind of they were on the back foot, but but still they 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 had a they had a, both sides had quite a hard time. Um, mm-hmm. That would be a good that would be so you so you would do it as a as a 1982 game, not not as a, like would. you know the, we free fight the Falklands yeah. now. That would be kind of odd. Oh um, no, yeah, that would be a <laughs> well, you know, I would I almost said that would be a a a, a no a no brainer, but the you know, but the the British are still downsizing. You know, I'm not yeah. sure they. Could, project force that far again but right right the argentines can't do it at all so right <laughs> you know yeah so who knows that's that's uh well that that's another project to see there's so many there's so many good projects out there to do there um, are why why can't we uh why can't we just yeah. have more time to get these things done i'd right. love to see another i didn't see a real a really well researched really well done falcons game there were so many that came out right around the time which i think that people yep. just like they didn't have they didn't have any of the data right i mean they're just sort of mm-hmm. speculating and 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 going from news reports, and I think that all the orders of battle and all the you know memoirs that have come out have really they right. really it's kind of like the opening of the Russian archives, right? It's like you could finally make a good cursed game uh, that mm-hmm. that has actual you know everybody's everybody's uh, yep. everybody's archives are open. So I, I like that idea. Yeah. So I, well, I have a I have a nice stack of books on it. So I have Julian Thompson's book. I have Mike Clapp's book. I have a mm-hmm. book, um, Martin Middlebrook, which is Mar- the he wrote two books, Europe. right? He, didn't he write I'm one sorry. from the British side too, Martin? He did. He wrote one from the British perspective yeah. and one from the Argentine perspective. Yeah, so I yeah, have those yeah. and some other things. Cool. So I, I, yeah, I'm gearing up for it. So good. All right. Well, I want to see that one. Oh no gosh, that would be. On, yeah. When when it happens, it will be some point, right? And it's not going because all these games I see that are played that are that come out are these solitaire games. Right? There's a there's another one mm-hmm. coming out uh, called Mrs. Thatcher's War, uh, which mm-hmm. is another so which is by the guy that did um, uh, Ben Madison did. Uh, um, don't yeah, tread on me and Mount Builders and stuff in A and and that's gonna be solitaire and then where there is discourse. I think people just feel that there's no way to interesting play the Argentines and I'm I, <laughs> I hope that you can prove that that's not correct. I would I would disagree. I think well so if, if from the historical standpoint, if you just want to do what they did, no, there's no point because they didn't mm-hmm. really do anything, right? They landed right. troops, and they sat there, <laughs> right, and then they <laughs> launched some aircraft every now and then without a very good coordination. Right, exactly. So if 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 that's what you want, then that. Absolutely. But if you want to have to, if you really want to explore what could have happened, then yeah, there's, there's plenty they could have done. Now, whether it would have been, 
more effective or not. That's what we have to find out. Right. Or there would have been no. There could have been other geopolitical. Because uh, I mean, if if the if the British had started losing, I mean, like really seriously losing, I'm I'm curious as to what actually would have. Oh, sure. Would have, would have well, and there were transpired. there were some very critical points in that campaign, right? I mean, if if the British had lost even one of those carriers, their mm-hmm. whole enterprise would have been gone. I mean, right. they only had twelve or sixteen carriers, and if you lose mm-hmm. half of that force, what right. are you going to defend against those air attacks with? You know, yeah. the carriers were the killers in that right. in that engagement. So, yeah, which is one thing that 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 actually where the Discord does really well, which is that if you do, you know, you you can lose a carrier, and then all of a sudden, where are those carriers going? And now you've got, you know, you you can protect. You can protect the fleet just not quite as well as you want, but you, you feel fairly comfortable if you can fly all your Harriers. All of a sudden, you lose half of them. You're in big trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just uh, – um, it, it, it just seems that, that the history about that, that war has been written in such a way that it's just like, oh, the British went down there and just kicked everybody's ass. Right. Um, and that was, <laughs> that was not the case. Um, yeah. Well, but, that's one of the things I like about it. So one of the, you know, in terms of what, what kind of drives me to modern war, although the land mm-hmm. combat – is is a big draw obviously and mm-hmm. three of the games in the series are going to be primarily land right mm-hmm. there will be some naval in uh poland and mm-hmm. there's obviously a little bit in korea uh, taiwan is all about it right right uh, right i actually like it i like taiwan the games like taiwan where all of the all of the arms are represented so that's why i really am, think i'm drawn to something like the falklands because you have there's such an interesting naval game there if you give the argentinians options and then you have the land campaign which could be also interesting depending on how the naval campaign turns out and all these interlocking wheels that you know can make it interesting and even the Spratleys. so on the back of my other one of my other back burners is a is a naval game set in the modern naval game set in the pacific mm-hmm. uh, you know to to game out that situation the spratly islands yeah yeah and, well and generally in the south china sea and so okay. i don't know there was a naval uh, a more detailed so the next war series the naval interaction is more g- generic right it's these just these naval counters and they kind of move around but they don't really reflect ships they there were groups of ships they're task forces and uh so i want to get a little more, more granular down maybe to the individual ship level and, and do something cool. there well tell me this then so because you know obviously you know everybody's fighting the last war to, to a certain extent and um i mean is there a possibility if you considered the idea that there would be sort of a paradigm change where you know aircraft carriers everybody you know they they became you know in, in the 40s they became this amazing sort of uh you know revelation in warfare is the possibility that in the you know in the 2000 and and 20s that the carriers all of a sudden are are these huge very vulnerable uh platforms that you know other weapon systems have now completely sort of made obsolete you know it's a really interesting question um and there's if you read a lot of some of the naval journals that's one of the not really coming out and saying it that way mm-hmm. right but that's one of the predominant uh discussions going on especially around that anti uh, excess area denial mm-hmm. discussion, especially with the big PRC sh- so-called ship killers. Mm-hmm. Um, right, exactly. Yeah, you've how, got you how just... effective will they be? Yeah. Right. Um, right. And and the prudent admiral is not going to sail right down the Taiwan Straits and challenge right. it. Right. Right. That's right. that's a good way to lose a carrier. Um, sure. So uh, I think. I think it's an interesting question. I think it's something we need to solve. I mean, carriers are the way we project. We, I say, we the carriers are the way the U.S. projects power. Um, right. You know, 
So it's something that we have to figure out. I don't think they're going to go away precisely mm-hmm. because of that reason. So we'll have to end up figuring out how well that works mm-hmm. and whether that means a lot. I'm actually surprised that they retired the Perry class, the Oliver mm-hmm. O.H. Perry, because mm-hmm. they're ASW frigates. Yeah. And the nuclear arms, or the, not the nuclear arm, but the nuclear submarine is probably the number one threat to the carrier, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So that kind of surprised me a little. I don't know if the Arleigh Burke class destroyers can really take up the slack there. That they, Those were very specialized platforms. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the Navy thinks they, they, they do, but they have the new P-8 um, – I'm not familiar with those. What are those? Uh, they're the replacement for the P3. Arrived. Oh, the aircraft. They're the, yeah, I'm sorry. So they're the P8. I think they're Poseidon. Yeah. So that's the, the, those are the anti-submarine hunters, you know. But, oh, so they're the, they're the new Orions. Yes. Um, bigger range, you know, more sauna buoys, all that good stuff. Of course, they're still big, fat, slow, lumbering aircraft. So if you're going to fly them, you better – got to have control of the air or at least be able, to, right. be able to protect them. And so, again, we're back into the, you know, these interconnecting wheels of, of things. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I, I think we have such an investment in them that we have to figure out how to protect them. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that you know the tools we have allow us to do so if we're smart about how we use them. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm sure the Navy's got some stuff up their sleeves that they're not talking about. Oh sure, yeah. And yeah I know they're working on underwater. So we have we have predators, you know, UAVs. Mm-hmm. I know they're working on underwater unmanned vehicles as well mm, yeah underwater drones interesting the udvs you I, I can't even remember the acronym now but i know they're working on those now what use they will be or how how you know how they will be used i have no idea hmm. yeah but so, so that's one of the interesting things about a game in the spratleys is because if you're talking about a known physical space well now you're restricting where you can go Right. Because, you know, you have to be somewhere near there. And so right. now it becomes a much more lethal environment because they're going to have a good, pretty good idea of where you are. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you um, is there a certain amount of just sort of. I don't know what a good word for it is, just say of gut where you say, you know, I, I put that we pl- we game this, we put in these rules, we gamed it out. And this kind of feels like what we either think it's going to be like or what we would like it to be like. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to at some point you have to draw that that line in the sand or put a stake in the ground, whatever metaphor you want to use. Uh, right. That, you know that says this. This is my gut feeling about how this will work. You know, go, uh-huh. knowing knowing the publicly available store sources and and reading the the think tank papers and how they think things will go and, and looking at uh, you know the way that these weapon systems are deployed. Mm-hmm. This should be the more or less the way things should work, mm-hmm. you know, and then okay. and then you try to build that into a rule and, a, and uh, you know, a CRT of some sort that that will reflect that. Mm-hmm. And then it just it, and capture the essential elements, elements, right? The essential yeah. elements at sea have always been detection. You can't you can't hit them if you don't know where they are. Right. You know? now, and then, now, but that's different now, right? Because you have satellites. It is, although you can still, you know, satellites are in. Are, are moving uh-huh. and so just because you were headed north the last time it went over the next one uh-huh. you know you can change direction you can you can be in a different spot right right so satellites i don't think in my view they they can't provide targeting data they can they can tell you where to go look so you can get targeting data uh-huh right um and you have to do some really 
good math and, and then figure out how to maneuver to stay out of the satellite eye. And of course, uh-huh. that the, the more satellites that you put up, the harder that gets. So the next logical step, of course, is taking war into space. So right. Oh, yeah. Well, if, if you thinking... can be seen, you might as well go uh-huh. shoot the eye down. So. Well, aren't I mean, isn't there some possibility to put up like if you if if somebody is if they really think there's going to be a showdown over Taiwan, that somebody would put up a geo some geosynchronous satellites in that area? Possibly. Yeah. And then I mean, so that would be, be a good idea. But yeah. And then, I mean, you could but that's I mean, but that that really kind of changes your I mean, there's a lot of assumptions in your, dete- in your detection system, too, then. Right. Yeah. Because but you, even you, even then, it still comes down to targeting. Right. I mean, you can do line of bearing launches, right? Well, we know they're that way. Just launch the missile and let the missile figure it out when it gets there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ships are constantly moving. So that right. can, that, that has a high chance of missing. <laughs> how, how do we, and, and, and do we know how high a chance that is? Uh, again, we have to go off the publicly available sources. So it's just off their stories. I got you. Okay. They All have right. a, they have a published, you know, well, I don't know if, I haven't really looked at the Chinese side yet, but I know the U.S. Mm-hmm. They have a published. Well, we we had an exercise. We hit 100 percent of the targets oh. <laughs> okay. from Fudge Factor. Let's take that down to 90, maybe. You know, yeah. uh-huh. um, okay. Interesting. That, that kind of a deal. But. I got you. Okay. Um, so, is there? <clears throat> we just we talked about a whole bunch of situations. Is there a? Um, uh, what about a Far East? Um, a Far East uh, scenario in which the Russians are involved. Yeah, you know the the funny thing is, so that's that's a very common question. Like, where where is the series going to go next? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, in uh, Poland, actually, regardless of what's happening now, I had already I had pretty much been on the burner for a while, um, uh-huh. only because it, it seemed logical from a right. from a standpoint of of where the where little green men might show up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh yeah the other the other two that are primarily when i think about it <laughs> that mm-hmm. are dominating my thinking are are something you know between the russians and the chinese mm-hmm. potentially <clears throat> um and maybe you know even somewhere around the north korean border kind of a deal maybe mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. although they share a huge land border and have fought several right. I, I wouldn't call them wars, right. skirmishes, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Years that a lot yeah. of people don't know about, right? Right. Uh, and then the other one was something that you had mentioned is that not not the historical invasion, but a but a modern invasion mm-hmm. of Vietnam. Right. Especially if they get the South China Sea thing kind of melts down and uh, correct. Yeah. yeah so it'd be the it'd be the other side of that land battle, right? Mm-hmm. So now yeah. now the PRC has to commit forces to vietnam they have to look at taiwan they mm-hmm. have to play defense you know maybe they're supporting korea mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden they've got a large operational theater to, to deal with you know mm-hmm. uh, and so that would be a very large combined game but it could be yeah a- that would be interesting though is, is do you do you think in terms of of, of doing stuff like that like hey because you know you can always already look to link taiwan and korea yes do you ever think of stuff like okay well we can just add vietnam in the south and mm-hmm. then we if we do the russian border then we got the we got basically have the next war in asia mm-hmm. I, I do i mean i don't so i don't deliberately design them was well, i take it back korea and taiwan were sort of more or less deliberately designed to work well together not necessarily okay. you know you link them and you go but they work well together uh, but i do i do think about that and and so those kinds of thoughts would go along with the Vietnam one um, to where you could just kind of – you could include Korea 
and Taiwan, or maybe uh -huh. just include Taiwan and leave Korea out of it, or you know. So there will be rules on how to. There would be rules on how to handle that kind of thing. But yeah, I do. I do like to think in those terms. Mm -hmm. That would be that. <clears throat> that would be. I mean, a fantastic. Uh, I mean, you, you could just put all that together. Um, <laughs> and well, you'd need a really big table, but that's the kind, that's kind of kind of a lot of yeah. table space. Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd like to see that. Um, well, I we're. I, I want before uh, before we before we go. I, I want to spend some time and talk about uh, Silver Bayonet because in, a, in an email you had mentioned um, that, that it's actually going to the printer. So what is that? What does it mean that something's going to the printer? Yeah. So that means for the way, and I am not deeply involved in it, but the way mm -hmm. I understand it, they send all the files off, all mm -hmm. the art ready files to the mm -hmm. printer, mm -hmm. and then they wait for a slot mm -hmm. to get the stuff actually printed. Ah. And then once it's printed, it gets shipped back, and then or they get notification that it's going to get mm -hmm. shipped back, and then it's when they make the the charging decision. So, I see. Uh, my best guess would be probably at the earliest, late October. Yeah. Okay. More so likely November. Yeah, months. Okay. So, but, but hopefully before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, is that is that a situation where the stuff that you're talking about? So they <clears throat> they send the files to the printer. Are they saying the files is, is that like proofs, or they've already looked at proofs and they're saying okay. Uh, this looks good. Go ahead and print this, or is it? Hey, this is what the art files are supposed to look like. Now print us a proof, and 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 we'll tell you if you got it right. I think it was the it's the metal one. It's that we've proofed them. We think they're ready to go. Here you mm -hmm. go. Just print these and and send them to us. Nice. Okay. All right. And then, but then it has to be all be assembled and 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 stuff like that. I guess. Right. Yeah. Yep. Dropped off at the at the warehouse, and then they assemble them all. And, and they all the way come... I understand it, yeah. some things come in. Like they'll get they'll get one shipment that has the maps, and then maybe a week later they'll get the counters in one rule book, and then a week later they get the rest of the component. You know, so it's not necessarily all come at once. But all right, and then you have to then you have all the boxes, and then you have to open the boxes and put the things <laughs> right. into the boxes, and then put those little slips that say this was inspected by so and so. Yeah, exactly. That, that's fun. I like that. Well, that's um, let's see. Uh, I mean, I. I, I uh, this is this would be a question for Gene, but he since he's not around since you since you deal with these guys, do you, do you know that? Um, I mean, he had put that thing in the um, uh, in the GMT newsletter saying how they're kind of getting so they're getting so popular that they're kind of having a hard time keeping up with demand. Mm -hmm. um, are, are they are they making some progress on that? I mean, that just it's it's it sounds so great and so terrifying <laughs> at the same time, right? Because mm -hmm. clearly the hobby is uh, you know it's it's the opposite problem of of uh, the hobby that the hobby had in the eighties. Right. It's the, exactly. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's I mean, like, wow, it's one yeah, it's, again, it's one of those, you know, cliches. It's a good problem to have. Right. Um, and as far as I know that, you know, they're, they're actively and working, addressing it and working hard uh -huh. to, towards it. And I think it's just, it's just one of those things. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a resurgence or, or whatever, but it's, uh -huh. it's, it's a good thing. I think the the best thing to take away from that is they're not just, ignoring it right they're right. they're charging forward and they're proactively looking at well how are we going to make this better right uh, well i mean to, this, the stuff that he was talking about in that in that news in that newsletter sounded like you know these are changes that are going to require capital investment right yeah and so that, that means the company is willing to spend money to you know spend money that it's earned to improve right. itself and right. hopefully get things you know on a, the next right. level of sort of Producing yeah, games, and, and, and from my perspective, and, and I, I'm I am not privy to the inner workings there, but from mm -hmm. my perspective, sure, sure. when the company says they're they're willing to spend capital, well, the implication is that that means that they're doing well enough to have the capital to spend, which is also right. a good sign, right? Yeah. Although, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it may re it may uh, defer some reprints, but <laughs> right. 
Well, they were saying that they may have to take a, uh, you know, a take a, um, a month or more and just not publish anything, right. which, you know, yeah. I know there are some people that are really, I was seeing something on Twitter. Somebody was really upset about it. I'm like, well, I mean, I, I, there, I, while I want new games, I'm, you know, I, I'm certainly willing to wait as long as the, because uh, the, the thing I don't want to see is, uh, you know, sort of be done in a way that is not sustainable. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. nobody gets any games because they have the same cash flow issues that uh that right. sbi had when they were you know not able to pay their bills to their printer so right um, that's yeah i terrible. see those kinds of responses and it makes me laugh because my first instinct is really you can't wait and then i'm thinking yeah. you know right. i'm kind of the same way i really kind of want that game and i want it right, right now <laughs> right. you know right. so yeah. I, i'm in this ambivalent side of trying to damn them and and then mm. being on their side at the same time right, you know right, right. i'm and a little just... more i'm a little more on the we can wait because i mean it just i feel yeah. like i don't have enough time to play the, the stuff that i've got anyway i yeah. love seeing new games oh, come out i want to see them but i you know what it's not it's not disgraceful it's just yeah. part of business and you know yeah you, you pay yeah there's you, a, I, I have shelf yeah. full of unplayed games right you pays your money and you takes your chances so I got, that's I'm I'm willing I guess I'm willing to, to and I know for some people that it's a bigger investment than for others and it's I, I understand that I just feel like you know we've I, I'm just I'm just shocked and I say this so much and I just it's, I feel like I'm a broken record but I'm just shocked at how well the hobby has you know the, the internet seemed to just save the hobby in a, in a sense mm, um, absolutely and I, I think so yeah and I, I just feel so so grateful that all these games are coming out and that you know we have you know I'm I'm able to talk to you you know on using this stuff I mean just this the idea when I was you know, in college, and there was none of this. It was just the, the idea that I could sit down and talk to, uh, you know, a designer for a major game company, and we would record it, and then a whole bunch of people would just download it and, and listen to it and say, oh, that's great. I mean, that's just, that mm-hmm. was impossible. Yeah. And now it's just this, we take it for granted. Yeah, for, um, yeah and for some reason, I, I've always been fortunate to have always, you know, wherever I was, known people who liked to game. And so I never uh-huh. had a, I never had a problem finding opponents yeah. for war games. Um, but it, so it kind of shocked me when I started talking to other people who haven't had that. And their, their primary interaction has always been playing games solitaire, whether they yeah. were solitaire or not. Right. You know? And right. so right. to your point, I think the, the, the internet and things like cyberboard and vassal and uh-huh. you know, ADC or, or whatever, those yeah. kinds of things have just made, uh-huh such a huge impact on the ability for games to be played mm-hmm. that it, it's it, it's just incredible, right? And I think that's why we're seeing so many more games get produced because people think, oh, I can actually play this now. <laughs> right, so. yes, exactly. Yes, there are, there are so many games I'm like, well, I got all these guys and we can just, why don't we just go to the game store and we'll all meet and we'll sit down and we'll play this game. And it's just, you know, that's that's something that, that I hadn't had as much opportunity to do in the past. I mean, I had, but uh, when I lived in Chicago, there was, you know, there were, um, a bunch of a bunch of people and there was especially the ASL group was very active but I mean it was it was it was not a trivial thing to get a large game together and, and, and get people to keep playing it so um, I'm just I'm just so delighted to have all this stuff coming out so <laughs> I'm 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 uh, I'm definitely looking uh, looking for the um, uh, for these new modern games to come out before the situation changes so yeah you know get to make the make the make the the uh the baltic cyber warfare thing before yeah. uh well so <laughs> you, you say that that's the funny thing and i posted a couple of things about it is you know every other week there's some news story well we're gonna put four battalions in the baltics oh okay <laughs> right, let me go change my setup rules because <laughs> right, right. i didn't have those theirs but now uh-huh. they are so yeah uh, you know, well, what does it do to your game balance um, well, luckily we're not that far along, so I haven't ah, put you okay, in yet, so I'm good, right? No, perfect, <laughs> uh, right but yeah, right. so those kinds of things will will definitely impact that because where before they're 
there may not have been units to defend an area. Now there are because you know, NATO has decided that they want to they want to put a tripwire in place. I, you know, right. So yeah. well, that would be something to say to the you know you you have the you, you have a game and then NATO changes it after it's published. Then you actually put in some makeshift counters and you turn out that it changes the balance completely and NATO wins. You could just write to NATO and say, hey, look, you know, you put yeah. put those four counters in there, you're good. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's funny because – so um, I don't know if you've seen the articles Jim Lacey or James Lacey from the Marine War College wrote a couple articles about game, not. using no. gaming in his classrooms. Um, and, and one of the games he, he's going to end up using is Next War Poland. Um, uh-huh. So he actually has early access to some of the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what they'll end up doing – of course, they have access to much better information than I do. Right. 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 So he's like, we yeah, we'll use your, cameras, but yeah. we're going to tweak them a little bit because right. we right. think they're better and they probably do. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind well, of exciting. Right. So, yeah, it's, no, that's neat. I remember when I was ta- one of the conversations I had with Mark Herman, he talked about when he was working uh, uh, on some stuff, uh, you know, when he was doing his d- defense consultant stuff at the Pentagon and mm-hmm. um, he was doing the, uh, the desert, uh, desert storm. Oh yeah. Gulf strike. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gulf strike. And then he's like, okay, so, uh, you know, okay, we're, we like your game, and we we want to use your game uh, for our stuff. But here's what the story is: we're going to give you all this data, and you're not going to be able to tell anybody. So you're going to have to yep. change your game just for us. <laughs> so that's that's pretty neat. I like I mm-hmm. like the idea they can do that. So, well, that's that is an hour of uh, modern warfare talk, Mitch. That was great. That was a lot of fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to um, to next war Poland, but that sounds like it's probably going to be next year, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, so I'll have I'll have plenty of time to <laughs> to play Korea. Well, if I played India, Pakistan, I can play it again. I'll have time to learn and play Korea, and then probably even pick up Taiwan uh, and check that out before uh, before Poland gets released, and I have to um, clear the table and play that <laughs> one. So good stuff. Mm. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me. No and, problem. Uh, I enjoyed it. You have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thank you.